Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. There's an ancient Celtic expression that attempts to capture the numinous feeling we occasionally experience in moments of spiritual nearness or moments that have a vivid sense of proximity of the divine. Those moments when we have an unmistakable and palpable sense of something we can only describe as holy. It is a feeling which I suspect we have all had at different times in our lives, in different locations and on different occasions. The ancient Celts called the occurrence of these holy moments thin places. The full context from which this Celtic folk expression emerged is believed to be this. Heaven and earth are only three feet apart, but in the thin places, the distance is far less. Although we cannot explain why or prove it to anyone else, in thin places, we know that God is near. Thin places. Sometimes a thin place is a physical location, perhaps a mountaintop vista that gives a broad view over the sweeping landscape of creation. Sometimes a thin place is a room, like the Covington Room, or the meeting room at M7 Coffee Shop where the chapel men's group meets on Friday mornings. To all of us, our church is a thin place. Sometimes a thin place is an encounter with Christ seen in the presence of another person, one of our fellow Christians. And sometimes we have an experience of thinness in the presence of Christ in another person, even if that person does not know him. Yet Christ is there. At a few rare times, a thin place is an actual day, a span of time, a special day of the year in which most all forms of human enterprise cease in order to allow for a sharing of this sense of God drawn near to us. Christmas is a thin place. The God first revealed to Abraham is referred to by several different names in the Bible. Though God is unchanging, the Hebrew names for him change as Israel slowly comes to understand the complex and sometimes astonishing revelations of God and his plans for his people. El Shaddai, Elohim, beginning in the 14th century, sometimes called Adonai. But from the very first sentence of the Bible, in the beginning, we discover that the actual name for God is not simple to understand. God's very name is something of a mystery. He is identified in the original Hebrew by only four Hebrew letters, all capitals, Y-H-W-H, called the Tetragrammaton. Scholars tell us that this most holy of names was never spoken out loud by the ancient Hebrews. 
Knowing this leaves us with a curious enigma. Given that the tradition of reciting and then recording Torah emerged from an even more ancient cultural memory rooted in oral tradition, what did the ancient Hebrews actually do when they spoke, or rather did not speak, God's name? Do they pause in silence? Not daring to so much as utter the most holy of names? In younger years, I was fascinated by this singular moment in Scripture that occurs in the very first sentence of the Bible. Only a few days ago, we gathered for a special Advent service called Lessons and Carols. In that service, we heard again readings of a number of passages of Scripture, punctuated by hymns, that arc across the story of the relationship between the children of God and our Creator. We heard again the story of the creation of Adam from common clay, that God breathed into his nostrils, and the clay became a living creature. In the ancient Hebrew traditional understanding, the life-giving creative force of God was his breath, breathed into his nostrils. God breathed. His breath was understood as and called the Ruach Elohim, the Holy Spirit of God. God breathed creation into being. One morning more than 30 years ago, I found myself completely by surprise in a thin place while slowly awakening on a clear, beautiful Saturday morning after a good night of well-earned sleep, unpressured and unhurried, the actual sounding out of YHWH simply came out of my mouth. It was spontaneous and not at all expected. The whisper-soft sound of the breath of life. The sound of living breath, spiritus, given shape and form without vocal cords, without forming a word. An utterance shaped to make present the sound of breath, the sound of life itself. That is how I believe the ancient Hebrews referred to God in the ancient oral tradition of the Hebrews and how they later sounded the name YHWH. When encountered in text, it sounds ancient. It is historically and scripturally consistent, and to me it just sounds right. I believe and will always believe that sound to have been a revelation given to me that morning in that thin place. To be Christian is to believe in the revealed truth given to us by God and stated in Holy Scripture. To be Christian is to believe in the possibility, the reality of a personal and intimate relationship with God. To be Christian is to believe that the truth eternal has been revealed to us in Jesus, our Christ, our Lord. <clears throat> the hardest question I've ever been asked in my adult life is this. Who is Jesus for you? The most common names for Jesus all came to mind. But to me, those names don't capture the fullness or the nature of our relationship with him. Among the many names for Jesus are those that characterize some of the attributes of our relationship with him. He is our Christ, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Savior, the Good Shepherd, our Advocate, our Lord. When we say our prayers to him, we refer to him by all of these names. To the question that day, I gave an honest answer. 
in that moment, I could only say, right now, I just don't know. My relationship with him is a mystery. It has occurred to me many times since that day that any child in this church could have given a better answer. Certainly one from a more pure heart than my own. Now a long time since that question was asked, I am not sure I can give a better or more honest answer than that. But when I need a friend, a friend who will never abandon me, a friend whose shoulder I can lean on or cry on, a friend to whom I can pour out my fears and worries, my doubts and yes, my sins, and know that friend will never abandon me or withdraw his love from me. On those occasions when I need Jesus to meet me in a thin place, I call him by the same Hebrew name his mother gave him, Yeshua. Because he is my friend, I call him by the name his friends called him, Yeshua. Thin places. Not all thin places are the same. They vary in number, clarity, and numinous intensity. In this very special season, our children hold nativity plays about the conspicuous clusters of thin places described in Scripture that surrounded Yeshua's birth. The thin places experienced by three wise men from different locations that were so intense that separately they felt compelled to follow a star cross-country. To be led by heavenly lights in the planetary darkness of winter and carried with them as gifts their most precious goods, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The thin place experienced by the shepherds with their flocks, abiding in their fields by night, visited by an angel in a place so thin and fearfully vibrant they had to be told, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Yeshua is not a thin place. On that cold, starry night long ago, Yeshua was born. And in the moment he was born and placed in the manger, for those of us who believe in him, the distance between heaven and earth was erased. God's kingdom and all of its promise is here now through him. Yeshua told us that to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be like unto one of these. He was referring to children. Our children are thin places. He admonishes us that in our relationship with God, we are to be childlike. Not childish, but childlike. The Africans have a saying, our children raise us and not the other way around. If we have patience and are at peace and can allow ourselves for a while to abide with a child's trust in God, with childlike tenderness, during this holy season, our children will show us they will teach us how to enter the kingdom of heaven. Our children are thin places. The ancient Hebrew prophets of old foretold the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, and they had a special name for him on the occasion of that long-awaited arrival, Emmanuel. We are gathered today to shout with joy and loudly sing praises to celebrate the arrival of our salvation in and through Emmanuel. Emmanuel. This name means God with us. Heaven and earth are only three feet apart. But in the thin times, in the thin places, the distance is far less. God bless you.
Merry Christmas. Amen.